Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Heal that wall. Heal that wall. Put on a proper suit. Do up your tie. What Great is it? supine protoplasmic invertebrate jellies. Dodgy Dave will answer it now. You're joking. Not another one? Hello and welcome back to End the Loop, East Norfolk's very own student politics podcast. I'm your host Jake and joining me this week is the one, the only, the legendary, it's my lovely co-host Kira. Hello. It's budget day today and we've got a lot to unpack, Very nearly an hour long statement from the Chancellor of the Exchequer. But even before today, he had been in a bit of hot water already after an interview with some school children resurfaced, which he had a slightly strange confession. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I'm a coke oh, addict, oh, uh, a total coke yeah. addict. Really, Rishi, uh, probably not the best thing to be saying. The interview got even more bizarre when he started talking about how he particularly liked the Mexican coke made with cane sugar. Sometimes you just wish that politicians would just stop talking before they ruined their careers. But anyway, on to the details of the budget. So, Jake, I believe, uh, as most people say, you've got to rip the Band-Aid off and start with the negative news before the good news. So that's what we're going to go with today. So over 700,000 jobs have been lost, and the UK has seen a 10% economy shrink, which has been the largest fall in 300 years. And the budget deficit would be $355 billion, which is the highest out of wartime. Yeah, we're seeing quite a lot of debt, I believe, that over the next few years, the debt is going to rise to win in the high 90% of our total GDP, which is quite worrying. And I think the Chancellor also said that although interest rates are quite low at the moment, if they rise, it could cost the UK billions more pounds than it has already borrowed. And repaying that is something that the Chancellor has set out, and we'll get onto that later. But we also saw the economic forecast for the UK's economy in which things were starting to look a little bit better. The economy is set to return to pre-COVID levels mid next year, which is a lot faster than a lot of people initially predicted. And the unemployment rate will peak in 2022 at 6.5%, which while it is very high, it's again a lot lower than many people first feared. We're also going to see the minimum wage rise up to £8.91. So that's a nice increase, which could see people earn nearly £300 more a year. Now we'll move on to some of the measures that the Chancellor has announced to support people and businesses as we come out of the pandemic. Here's a clip. The furlough scheme will be extended until the end of September. For employees, there will be no change to the terms they will continue to receive 80% of their salary for hours not worked until the scheme ends. Support for the self-employed will also continue until September, with a fourth grant covering the period February to April and a fifth and final grant from May onwards. We're also extending our support for the lowest paid and most vulnerable. To support low-income households, the universal credit uplift of £20 a week will continue for a further six months, well beyond the end of this national lockdown. Quite a bit to unpack there um, in terms of stuff that's announced. The furlough scheme, again, continuing till September. 
So again, quite a bit to unpack there, some support for businesses to reopen. Um, 400 million pounds for the arts to reopen, 300 million for sports to get back up and running as well. So quite a lot of support for businesses who have been hit hard. And of course, the later on in the roadmap that they can open, the more support they're going to be getting. Absolutely, yeah. It's also been good to see that there's some support, uh, some support for physically people who have been impacted by the lockdown with 19 million going to domestic abuse support programmes and also for some of those smaller self-employed business with 600,000 more people being able to apply for the self-employment help. Yeah, and also quite a bit of help to help people buy their own homes as well with the cut on their holiday in, on stamp duty will continue until June and a new scheme that will allow people to put down their um, deposit um, with government loans for that. So a lot of help to get people on the housing ladder, which is obviously something that particularly young people are struggling with more and more. Conservatives are very big on house ownership. They believe it gives people a stake in society and that would make them more likely to want to conserve what they've got. So house ownership is a big part of conservative ideology. So it's obvious to, that they would be supporting that. Well, let's move on to how they're going to be repaying all of this money back because there's a lot of it. In 2023, the rate of corporation tax paid on company profits will increase to 25%. Even after this change, the United Kingdom will still have the lowest corporation tax rate in the G7. First, this new higher rate won't take effect until April 2023, well after the point when the OBR expect the economy to have recovered. And even then, because corporation tax is only charged on company profits, any struggling business will, by definition, be unaffected. Second, I'm protecting small businesses with profits of £50,000 or less by creating a small profits rate maintained at the current rate of 19%. This means around 70% of companies, 1.4 million businesses, will be completely unaffected. And third, we will introduce a taper above 50,000 so that only businesses with profits of a quarter of a million pounds or greater will be taxed at the full 25% rate. That means only 10% of companies will pay the full higher rate. So the much anticipated rise on corporation tax going from 19% at the moment to 25% in 2023, which the Chancellor expects to be after the economy has recovered from COVID. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, the only business that are going to be taxed on this are people who make over, well, corporations that make over 250,000 in profits. But I think this will be really interesting to see as it seems almost as if they're damaging their own voter pool, uh, which I think will be interesting to watch when the new elections come by, especially considering there's local elections coming up very soon. However, to soothe these tensions a little bit, perhaps there has been a 5% reduced rate on hospitality, which is going to continue all the way until September, which is once again, another way that the economy can begin to recover through the hospitality in the coming summer, when hopefully restrictions shall be reduced. Yeah, and although 
the corporation tax rate is rising, it was still one of the lowest. At the moment, it was one of the lowest in the world, and it will still be the lowest in the G7 when it goes up to 25%. So still lots of incentives for businesses to remain in the UK, even after we've left the EU, which a lot of people were worried about if the corporation tax rate goes too high, businesses will just move to somewhere where it's a lot lower. Other measures then that we haven't covered that were included in the budget, £1.65 billion to boost the vaccine programme, which was already leaked earlier on in the week. The government will support a World Cup bid for 2030, so football might be coming home. Fuel and alcohol duty um, have been frozen the second year alcohol has been frozen and fuel has been frozen quite a lot in the past years. Um, however, I have got to ask your opinion on how that's going to reflect with their climate change plan, considering they are predicting to have no petrol or diesel cars by 2030. We all know that um, cars do tend to release a lot of greenhouse gases and other toxic fumes, and the government's priority was cutting down on that. And fuel duty and alcohol duty were both due to rise this year after being frozen for a few years prior but with covid now happening that is no longer going to be the case and it is concerning considering that there's also plans for a coal mine to be opened in the uk which goes against a lot of the government's climate targets so whether they're actually committed to reaching that goal we'll have to wait and see Definitely, yes. It seems that this year in the budget, the coronavirus pandemic has been used to sort of bury their head in the sand and ignore the climate emergency that's also going on. However, I think we should now perhaps turn to uh, Keir Starmer's reaction to all this. After the decisions of the last year and the decade of neglect, we needed a budget to fix the foundations of our economy, to reward our key workers, to protect the NHS, and to build a more secure and prosperous economy for the future. Instead, what we got was a budget that papered over the cracks rather than rebuilding the foundations. A budget that shows the government doesn't understand what went wrong in the last decade or what's needed in the next. Yep, Keir Starmer showing his disappointment in the budget there, uh, highlighting that there was no plan to fix social care or the NHS or anything to deal with inequality. I will have to say that's another sort of disappointed, but not surprised. I think there was a hope for me that after seeing the NHS struggle, with the funding that they did have and them asking for more funding and the amount of work that the NHS people, people who work in the NHS have been putting in during the pandemic, I was hoping they'd get a little bit more support. Yeah, the government has focused a lot on jobs and businesses and has neglected a lot of the real issues that we've seen highlighted by this pandemic. Uh, leader of the SNP in Westminster, Ian Blackford, also said that the budget revealed that the Conservatives are still nostalgic for austerity, even though we've seen multiple Conservative leaders now saying that they've brought an end to austerity. Is that still the case? Well, I mean, I think as much if you perhaps at all forgot that it was the Conservative Party making this budget during their talks of corporation tax, you were certainly reminded by the lack of funding for public health services and such. Uh, to get more reaction to the budget, um, we are now going to do something that we haven't done before. Brand new feature for you all. 
We're going to go across to Louis, Ben, Jez, Bobby, Josh, Riley, and potentially Rory, if you can get his Wi-Fi to work, um, for a more in-depth breakdown and debate around the budget. COVID nineteen is one of the most one of the, one of the most significant crises crises sorry that um, the UK is facing a century. It's very much being described as a nineteen forty five moment, post World War Two moment. You, you, and, and because of that, you'd expect policies and measures to be uh, to be pledged that would that you know would seek to deal with a crisis of this scale. Um, you know, with, it, with with any crisis, you sort of have the ability to move forward. Um, to move or to move to move backwards, you know, to re redefine the relationship entirely between the people in the state, to to redefine the economy and um, and its measurements and its goals. We're following um, the Great Recession of the 1930s. You know, we've got the we've got the New Deal in the United States. Following World War II, we saw the expansion of the welfare state across Europe. Following you know the recessions of the 1970, the Winter of etc. We um, we got the explosion of free market ideas. With with factorism and Reaganomics, etc. So I think one of the biggest criticisms of the budget, and one of the things uh, that we'll definitely see as we discuss, is that it's being described as a 1945 uh, issue, but we're very much getting like a two penny solution. Um, it's not being addressed at the capacity that some would like it to. It's being described as a bandages on a on, on a you know a serious, more public uh, problematic wound, uh, addressing the short term issues rather than. Um, looking to achieve long-term change. So, I mean, there's some things to sort of to think about as we discuss, but I'd be interested to sort of hear what you lot think. Uh, you said it's like 45. You've you kind of got a point there because, like, we're straight in the middle of a pandemic. But just taking a glance at some of this stuff, furlough extended to September, uh, continue paying 8%. Furlough, I, I hate, I, furlough annoys me because, okay, this is kind of, like, completely out of nowhere. But the idea that, like, the government pays 80% and then businesses are expected to pay. The rest is a bit stupid because they just don't. Everybody for me, they don't. They just kind of sit there and go, yeah, we're not going to pay it because uh, screw you. We don't like you. Is it, is it not like um, mandate that they have to pay that extra 20% or is it just like kind of optional? No, it's, it's not mandated at all. Okay. You'll find with the vast majority of businesses, they actually don't. Because it's, it's like a, it's, um, a recommendation that they pay the extra 20%, but most of the time they just don't because, like you said, business don't like me. But hey, they're increasing the minimum wage to £8.91 an hour from April. So got that to look I'd, I'd be interested. I'd be interested to see what you lot sort of think about the extension of furlough and also the implications of the furlough. First of all, we know it's been extended to, to September, which is interesting because obviously most of the restrictions are, are meant to lift um, in June. So it's good that they've sort of allowed for a, um, a period to sort of tie you over to find new work or whatever it may be to allow, you know, for any changes to the measures. But it sort of raises questions, isn't it? I know it's sort of unrelated to the budget, but it raises questions about how far the government are confident in their um, reopening plan. If they're, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't seem to be in line with their uh, past thinking to have the furlough scheme um, be extended to a point beyond reopening. 
um, to a point where the economy has begun to reopen. So I wonder if that if, if that actually is due to any concern they have about their reopening plan, or if that is just a sort of a tie over period to allow them to find um, a new sort of income. I think the the budget in general is is sort of representative of a very reluctant government. You know, they're aware of how much they're spending. They're aware of the debt. Um, and I think, you know, they've only really extended furlough because they feel they have to. I think they're very reluctant to carry it on. So it's, it's possible that they could be having doubts because you think they wouldn't want to, to continue this kind of support straight from the government if they could avoid it. Yeah, I think the whatever it takes slogan is an interesting one. You know, they kind of have, put, to some extent at least, you know, where, where, wherever you can give them credit for, for, um, for being willing to spend, they have somewhat took their foot off the gas by saying that these sort of... T- Things will end by a certain day, and um, I know you mentioned the corporate rising corporation tax, which was um, expected um, a little bit. But I think I think I think he said by twenty twenty three that it would rise yeah, to twenty five. Yeah, and twenty five yeah. is is quite substantial. It's not quite twenty eight. Well, you which would you what, would think that's substantial, but it's not because it's still the lowest in the G seven. It is. I was about to say that it's all it, relative. Yeah, it's relative. Yeah, relative to the corporate of you know if we're looking at the the trajectory of of corporate of tax in the uk over the last uh, decade it's, it's a substantial increase it's not it's not quite the 28 percent that is seen as a bit more reasonable um but it's it interesting to actually see an increase in tax it is it from, definitely is from this idea you know when there's quite a lot of murmurings post brexit of a of a sort of business haven britain where the regulations <laughs> would be low and the the profit margins would be high you know, to really draw in investment, to draw in the money. But they, they, you know, perhaps whatever it takes from the conservatives perspective is, you know, it's higher tax, it's more spending. You know, I mean, they're, they wouldn't do that if they didn't have to. So it's reasonable to think that's mm, I, I think where they're the, going. For me, it's more like the this government's trying to just muddle their way through it about going too radical on any sort of, of policy of either up in taxes or harsher austerity measures because of the the Cameron government and the, the coalition. Do we not think that um the like the whatever it takes slogan could be um like as just said because it indicates or when you first hear it you think oh austerity um uh that's the measures that that, that they need to take do you not think it might be preemptive to plant the seeds of whatever it takes before they do implement austerity mm. measures further down the line potentially what a lot of people were saying is that um they would be like oh we've helped you now you've had furlough you've had business loans mm. um you know we, you've had a, we, we've stopped with banned evictions and all of these things um, we've helped you out now now it's your time to help us out and that was a, one of the big concerns in the first lockdown when the government were announcing this like record-breaking spending and stuff um, it was like, oh, like, wow, like, what's going to happen? What's the what's the implications of this? And there was definitely a, a lot of fear early on that this budget would be an austerity. And the fact that it isn't, yeah, I do agree with Rory, does perhaps suggest that the one we're looking at next may be radically different uh, in the wrong direction. They are not. There's a lot of taxes they could have introduced and increased. They haven't. But again, this in, the increase in corporation tax for the Conservatives is still a quite a significant departure and mm. yeah i think i think the idea of of them expecting something back is is probably on the money because really like these the government assistance isn't coming in the form of of giving out money and not expecting it back these are loans uh they're grants with conditions and clauses this all has to to go back around back to the government eventually 
So it's definite that they're expecting, or we can we can certainly put some stock into the idea that they're expecting money back. Maybe necessary to implement more radical um, sort of decisions later on. Um, and I think with the whole sort of rhetoric behind like um, just sort of honesty and that whatever it takes, um, almost just leaving it open enough that they, I mean, granted the pandemic has sort of eased down within like a year or so, um, to then really sort of implement um, some more drastic stuff. But I think this one was more so just um, not really looking longer term, but leaving it as open as possible to sort of implement whatever they sort of see fit as. We might be giving like, giving Rishi a bit of a hard time. I think there could be like some potential for him to be this, um, there, there, there's some arguments that could be made for him being this, like bringing forth, bringing forward like liberal economics into um, the Conservative Party and making that the future of the Conservative Party, maybe. I mean, I'd argue, I mean, like with Sunak, he's sort of, I think he's, his sort of, I mean, for a start public sort of popularities, I mean, it's all relative to his party. Like if you're, if you're in a party of um, what's arguably been seen as incompetency, um, anything that's somewhat adequately good looks 10 times better. I think like with this sort of like policy, it's been quite surprising for a conservative government, but I wouldn't exactly praise it anything greatly just due to like circumstances. And a lot of his policies have been sort of rebranded, reintroduced ones of like previous government. He's, I mean, on the popularity front, he's, you know, quite popular within not only the Tory party, but just sort of the general public, really. Um, I, d- I don't know exactly primarily why that is. I think there was also this element of optimism in, in how Rishi says that the economy will, will recover um, more quickly than in the pandemic, uh, in, within the next six months even, than what was previously thought. And I think it's that um, sense of optimism which is driving the thought process there. Maybe that's uh, the budget isn't so radical. Are we wrong to expect a radical budget from a conservative government is it foolhardy in the beginning to expect this this great sweeping regime of change from a government which was elected on one issue and that issue was brexit and then i i assume everyone else just thought they'd muddle along as a normal conservative government in regards to everything else before we discuss that i'd like to um just go back to what rory said about uh whether or not we thought that sunak was getting too hard a time i actually don't think that he is getting a hard enough time. What we have to recognise, and I think we don't recognise, as Louis sort of, I think it was Louis that said it, um, is that he is a popular politician. He, I think there was a poll that suggested that he was the most popular politician in the country. And it's, it's reasonable to see why, when he's the one that's most associated with the, um, with the positive measures, right? He's the one most associated with all of the loans, the furlough schemes that sort of kept people afloat, you know, or gave them the bare minimum. The EL to help, you know, the EL to help out scheme which to the general public seemed to be, you know, a, a, a nice thing, something that, you know, would allow them and their families to, do, to eat out more than they would normally be able to. But what we have to realise is all of these things very much contributed to the national catastrophe that we find ourselves in. Like, Sunak has, has been and maintained, uh, and sorry, has been and remains to be sort of a, a chief architect in this idea of prioritising the economy over a people and over, like, public well-being and um and as opposed to tackling inequality and stuff you know we see that in this budget this is not previous measures like in this budget there was no mention of key workers no mention of social care um there's no mention of sick pay there's no mention of tackling the climate crisis there's no mention of education there's no mention on social care there's no mention really of uh, easing debt for small businesses you know there's so many 
there's no mention there's no mention of inequality, which is particularly damning when you consider um, not only the fact that the you know COVID nineteen has been a crisis in itself, but it's actually exacerbated many of the crises that we found found ourselves in. You know, going into the pandemic, we had fourteen point five million people living in poverty. One third of children living in poverty, and many of those are working families. Eight million working families in poverty, two million pensioners in poverty. Uh, I, I remember reading an article that said that COVID had plunged like 1.2 million more people into poverty, I believe. Um, so these are, you know, we're, we're, we're dealing with a crisis that has, is in itself a crisis, but it's also not only exposed, but like greatly exacerbated many, like a crisis of inequality, like a crisis of, of climate. Um, to a much greater extent, and Sunak has been a, a massive driving factor in that exacerbation, if you will, and has you know continued to not address that. The bare minimum, really, the furlough scheme has been abysmal. You know, statutory sick pay still you know remains much much less than many many um, other developed nations. So I would definitely. I would like first of all, the, just looking at some of the, the the words that have been used, I wouldn't be willing to call him generous in any capacity, um, and I certainly wouldn't be willing to suggest that we are in any way being too generous towards, or sorry, too harsh um, towards him and his budget. A role. Uh, what do we think part. of uh, Keir Starmer? His response. Literally, what I was about to, I was going to say, like I think that's what's um, even more worrying is if if we're looking at. Um, Sunak, and we're, we're criticising um, him from, uh, for obvious reasons, the, the alternative is Starmer and like his like demonisation of corporation tax um, makes him like uh, barely any opposition whatsoever. Um, and what, what, how would have he, how would he have, um, uh, I reckon he would have uh, tackled it better, but significantly maybe not. Funny you should mention corporation tax. I'm, I'm just reading that um, although like the corporation tax is going up to 25%, which, you know, relatively in terms of the G7 and stuff is still pretty low. Um, it says here that firms will be able to deduct investment costs from tax bills, reducing taxable profits by 130%. So increasing in- income tax and then doing that kind of just balances itself out or even makes it even yeah, worse. There is, there is this interesting, the government sort of pulling itself in all these different directions and going nowhere as a result, you know, um you've got that they got they they've set out to to try and yesterday they announced they were setting out to try and make 30 percent of of the country like this preserved green space and then they don't go far enough with that and then they open a new coal mine um they provide covid measures but they're they're minuscule and they're not really enough they they don't really seem to be dedicating themselves into any particular avenue and instead they're just producing this sort of middling and quite weak response on every issue. I think um, a lot of that is, I think they use like focus groups for some of their policies. So they just get these consensuses and just go with whatever they hear, Mm. like public saying and stuff like that. I think as well, they're sort of, I mean, you could say um, it's been down to um, Cummings obviously leaving a couple of months ago, but I think in recent times, there's just like overall, there's been, it's hard to really sort of decipher what their actual direction is on many issues. But I think, I think one that's um, largely down to the fact that internally within the party or just in general, whoever's, there seems to be like a a lack of leadership. um, And I don't mean on the sort of 
like external front of you know in the media and in interviews and stuff but more so just behind the scenes at like what their sort of long-term plans is because I think it was Ben who said earlier you know it was a government primarily elected on um the basis of Brexit um and obviously there were slogans um like leveling up for example but it was all still very vague and I think obviously the pandemic has sort of outlined that um obviously a crisis like this is arguably when you need a plan more so than ever and then as we sort of phase our way out um sort of looking more long term I think that's sort of a real issue because they're, they're just in a state of limbo most of the time um but I think it's it's just sort of it it looks like they're just scared to make any you know drastic decisions but you could say you know as a conservative government what do you really expect um so it'll be interesting to see how they respond sort of in the future. Just to go back to um, one of the things what Jess was saying on the um, in terms of like uh, any plans to like tackle climate change, although it's not exactly to tackle climate change, more so specifically um, zero carbon emissions. Um, there is the low carbon investment and there's green projects. This was what they said we we promised. There's green projects which will be supported for a also known as a green recovery bond but it's all very much obligatory there's nothing um there's no actual set amount of funds which are set out so again it's very mm. they could have went much further than that perhaps yeah they could have done a, a, a what, green tax for example yeah a green tax. And, that's, and that's something that ed miliband also commented on and said like it's a, a completely missed opportunity especially in the post-covid world i think there has been some numbers provided for green investment um I think that you know it was it was a footnote but it was there it's, it's but it's just another area where they trying to go in each direction it's like they're moving forward to the the date where cars are going to have to be electric and they, and then they've um sort of backed out of it by not providing it an immense amount of funding uh, there's this really sort of strange like louis said limbo maybe it's a policy to try and not too grossly offend anyone for now and then perhaps they'll come in with their their genuine policy later on but i i i don't quite know myself you guys have talked a lot about um sort of like the teeter-tottering of a lot of the policies to kind of pull it in both directions sort of thing and i'd argue that's a lot of a popularity sort of thing because um most people have kind of their sights set on certain issues so a lot of young people will be um maybe if you're going to look up any news about the government looking up a lot about um obviously covid measures but primarily stuff like what they're doing about climate change and that sort of thing because it's an issue that holds really true with a lot of young people and a lot of the stuff you'll probably find is the positive things so like you said like the um green spaces and that sort of thing and you won't hear much about like the opening of coal mines or anything like that so i think it's a good strategy to set out in terms of gaining power in maybe a next general election or whatever um to kind of put out all these positive policies and then back them up with lesser sort of kind of muddly ones which go in the same the opposite direction so by course, kind of not doing a whole lot, but appearing to do a lot so that you'll gain support of um, different groups, I suppose. Yes, it's just occurred to me that, that this is the first Conservative government that is, you know, they've got northern seats. They're genuinely trying to appeal to the northern voters as well as the south. So perhaps that plays into this sort of mishmash of policy is that this, that, you know, these two rather different areas of the country, they're trying to appeal to both of them to try and keep you know labor in this reduced state that it finds itself in now yeah i mean i mean if they can successfully do that i mean if they can hold on to those northern seats the next election there's we're gonna have conservative 
dominance for ages because if they keep going with this sort of like like say like tear tottering on different policies if people don't start working that out they're just going to keep voting them in because it seems that like i said that they're doing a lot and they're doing all these different things um and even after covid even when you've got like i suppose if they do start bringing in more austerity measures it will be well we've had this hard pandemic and we've had all these sorts of things you know we've done all this furlough stuff look at what we did last summer and all that sort of thing so and, and also um those sorts of measures being brought in now in the budget in the last budget um probably do look a lot better bearing in mind we've had the last what 10 11 years of austerity i just like to sort of wrap it up by um asking you know what we're looking at is the whatever it takes um slogan this idea that we're going to do whatever it takes to solve this crisis but what i what i'd like to know from you guys is what would you uh, what does whatever it takes mean for you what would you like to have seen in the budget that maybe was included or wasn't included now how much further do you think that they should have gone with it what things do they do you think they should have sought to address that they haven't done i'd say probably much harsher corporation tax I'd, i am very wary of obviously you given the circumstances we're in um if you then suddenly raise corporation tax to like i don't know 30 maybe even 40 percent um you're just going to end up driving away those big corporations they like to um wouldn't like to think that but that's the chances are that's what may well happen so yeah i definitely agree with increasing corporation tax like many corporations like amazon for example have profited immensely from you know from this pandemic and it's wrong that they should be that you know that the ceos and the the investors that should be earning you know millions and billions whilst so many ordinary people are suffering you know it's not it's not just corporation tax on the table is it it's like an increase in income tax with the 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 most the most you know the most um somewhat most wealthy talk of a wealth tax a financial transaction tax a green tax or there's so many an automation tax for example there's a lot of other taxes they could have introduced that would have been all very very just given the circumstances and there's many things that they could have funded with those that we haven't seen they could have addressed the social care crisis they could have addressed problems with privatization and um and underfunding of the nhs they could have addressed uh, they could have began to address you know the climate crisis yeah they could have funded much better welfare services, universal basic income, for example, getting rid of universal credit and replacing it with something else. So there's certainly a lot more that could have been introduced. And although yeah, I think most of us probably don't think it's the best budget, I know personally, I, 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 it's, in my opinion, it's massively flawed. But I think we can all agree that it's better than the austerity agenda that you know we were all sort of concerned of being introduced. I think I, I would have maybe liked to have seen work creation schemes. I'm wary of, of piling on too many taxes, but a green tax and an automation tax I would have approved of. And then a lot to just to just get money flowing between hands in the country to really sort of stimulate the economy again would have been would have been what I was expecting. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Well, um, hopefully you'll tune in next week to hear more discussions about political issues, uh, deep dives, that kind of thing. Well, that's another episode for us, um, our budget episode out of the way. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, please give us a follow to so that you never miss an episode and check out our previous episodes because the last ones haven't got many listeners. So we'd appreciate it if you could have a look back because we've got some bangers out there that you are missing out on. Anyway, thanks for listening. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. I'm begging of you, please don't hesitate. Vaccine, 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 vaccine. Because once you're dead, then that's a bit too late. <laughs>